Welcome to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast, bouncing back and forth with Dr. Sam Beckett through his timeline, putting right what once went wrong. My name is Sai, and joining me as always, as he did last night actually, for a live show on Chain Wrestling, so go and check that out if you can, Mr. Benny Mack, how are we doing? I'm doing good, Sai, how are you? (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time since we spoke, hasn't it? A long, long time. Yeah, yeah, whole, um, the whole... I don't know, was it 12 hours? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Nearly 24 hours. I don't imagine. Like 20, tw- 19 hours, give or take. <laughs> Nine, so, 19 hours since we last spoke. Yeah. Since we I, don't know whether, I, I don't know whether I helped your chain wrestling uh, brand, to be totally honest. But, you know, I came, I came on last week and I was on again this week as well. So uh, I enjoyed yeah, myself. I enjoyed it, mate. So that's the main thing. That's the main thing. Go and enjoy yourself. So go check that out if people are interested. <laughs> Uh, Benny was on Chain Wrestling the last couple of weeks, stepping in for my normal co-host there, Mr. Mags, who's currently away. Benny stepped in for the last two shows for Chain Wrestling. Go and find the podcast version out via Radio Techers. It was a good time had by all. There we go. So, Benny, today's episode of Quantum Leap, Good Morning Peoria. This is one that you were banging on about, really looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. Um, September 9th, 1959. The month of, not yep. I wasn't born in 1959, but the same month as my birthday. Yeah, it was an episode, I think I may have mentioned it in our opening salvo <laughs> when we did our very, very first episode of uh, The Waiting Room. Um, yeah. yeah, so good morning, Peoria. Obviously, um, I think I said last week, the name is obviously like good morning Vietnam type thing. I think it's got a bit of a vibe in a sense of the name of the show, the, the title of the show, not the not where they are. They're not in Vietnam. <laughs> No, um, no, no. They're in a little town called Peoria, um, and Sam takes over as a as a disc jockey, basically in 1959. Um, but yeah, I was banging on about it. Um, do you know when somebody says to you, "Go and see this film; it's amazing," and you go and see it, and right. you go, "Yeah, I believe my own hype." I'm not saying it's a bad episode, but I think <laughs> I remember it differently, or not not differently. I remember liking this a lot more. And I was sat down ready and I was, you know, typical British person, uh, tea and biscuits, ready for this episode. And I was like, yeah, it was all right. I literally left with, yeah, it was good. Um, and so, yeah, I probably overhyped it in my own head, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how you felt about the episode. Um, I'll be honest. I couldn't remember a great deal about it, which will come as a surprise to absolutely nobody. But <laughs> I, I, I couldn't remember a great deal about it. And when he, uh, sorry, he being Sam, when Sam leapt into uh, Howling Chick Howell, uh, who is the DJ character that he is, you know, inhabiting on this episode, when we had our our little trailer, our, our little sort of foresight into the next episode last week, I remember the DJ episode but I didn't twig that it was the the Peoria episode that you had been singing the praises of until oh, right. until you and I started talking. So then, having now watched it back, I didn't have high expectations for this. Oh, so okay. that might explain maybe why I enjoyed it a bit more than I expected, because I wasn't expecting much. 
that's what I mean. You have the expectation of it's you're not really looking forward to it, or you, it's, you've been told it's amazing, so your mind is already gone to like this is going to be awesome, and then actually it was okay <laughs> or average. Mm. And then somebody tells you it was pants or crap, you go, that was actually not as bad as they made out to be. Why are they saying it's so? You know, I've been waiting for it for so long, mate, doing this series with you, and then uh, I was underwhelmed, unfortunately, which is a shame. Sorry, right, mate. Sorry, right. we've got plenty more to come. We've got plenty more. Still <laughs> I'm not talking about any more going forward. I'm just going to watch them and see what happens. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Fair enough. As you mentioned, Benny, Sam has leapt into September the 9th, 1959. He is inhabiting the body of Howling Chick Howell, a DJ for what was the radio station? WOF, I believe it was called, wasn't it? WOF, yeah. Because he tries to read yeah. his sign backwards and it's like far, far. <laughs> yeah, through the class. Oh, WOF. Uh, I can't remember the name. Seven eighty, I think maybe. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, one, something like that. something like that. Yeah, it's WOF. And, yeah. and effectively, Sam, I suppose he, he has to save the radio station from closure. And this is, you know, as we said, fifty nine. It's the late fifties. Rock and roll is very much breaking through, and as as happened in. Uh, real life has happened in the the real history uh, the real past there are a lot of older people older generations that were very much against rock and roll when it first started uh, I, I suppose showing its head i mean the likes of the beatles were frowned upon when they first came to america uh, in certain circles elvis when he appeared on a certain tv show was only filmed from the waist up because apparently the way he used to pivot his hips would um, <laughs> corrupt corrupt america's youth apparently um <laughs> so this is the kind of situation we're dealing with here in september of 1959 sam's boss in, at the radio station is a lady who has basically inherited the station from her father who started the started the radio station before he passed away and she is very much keen to be playing rock and roll despite the fact that the local councillors and so on very much are trying to ban it well, it's, uh, the, it's, the, it's the one, isn't it? Uh, uh, Fred Beeman is the main sort of um, person who is like, we see him, don't we? And he's like threatening to pull his um, advertising from the station. Sorry, yes, um, he, he bit of a bit of a douche, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this is the situation. I suppose we get with some, not all, because we do come across some absolute dickheads on Quantum Leap, some absolute nasty pieces of work. But we also come across a lot of people who, at the start of the episode, or, or even even when we finish potential episode, they are, I suppose, for want of a better term, the villain of the piece. Yeah. However, if you kind of try and put yourselves in their shoes and have a little think about what, what they're actually saying and doing, the individuals here from the local council and the advertisers and all that, who are trying to pull the plug on rock and roll. They, they're trying to basically get rock and roll banned in a council meeting quite early on in the episode, aren't they? Which will be, you know, it'll destroy the station. The station, Al tells Sam that the radio station will be gone in 12 months if that happens. Yeah. Uh, she make, uh, Is it Rachel? Yeah, Rachel. She makes, the owner of the station makes a comment that it was starting to make money with rock and roll. So people were starting to listen to the station a lot more. Yes. Which then obviously boosts ad revenue for you know, to have advertisers wanting to advertise with the station. So without it, yeah, like you said, 12 months, I think it was, that uh, the station would be closed mm -hmm. without it, basically, based on Al's little Google search <laughs> on Ziggy. It's, so. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's little Ziggy Google search. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the, these individuals who are trying to ban it, 
they are effectively the villains of the piece, as I said. But you put yourselves in yeah. their shoes. They're of a older generation, even to uh, Rachel and Sam's characters. They're of a much older generation. Yeah. And they, in their minds, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to look after the the kids. They're trying to look after the youth of America. But in the, in their mind, they see rock and roll as being this this big evil. Um, this big evil thing coming from over the sea, I suppose, or, or, or little startup bands in the States or however you want to word it. And it's going yeah. to corrupt the children. Now, yes. Okay. They're, they're wrong. Don't get, <laughs> of course they are. You know? uh, yeah. But at the time in 59, even though they are kind of, as I kept saying, the, the villain of the piece for this particular episode, their intentions are right. They're trying to do the right thing. Just maybe their actions are wrong. Yeah, I mean, every bad guy, if played right, is portrayed as they think what they're doing is the right thing. So they don't understand necessarily the bad guy or the pushback, or they don't see themselves as the bad guy. But I know what you mean. In sense of all the others we've seen so far, um, I, this would if we did like a top 10 bad guys in Quantum Leap, they wouldn't even, you know, they'd probably be number 10 because they're not like, they're not violent. They're not trying to manipulate somebody to do something for them or anything like that. They're just in their minds, as you've as I said, they think they're trying to, um, I don't know, protect their youth and stuff of, in America. When you know, there's always a pushback when change. As if you mm-hmm. look back through history, every time something somebody does something differently, it's frowned upon for a while until you realise, well, actually, that actually works, or that's a good way to go, or you know. There's always a pushback because things have been a certain way. People get content <laughs> and uh, stuck in a rut, I think is the saying, um, of a certain way yeah. of things are done. So now this rock and roll is starting to make the youngsters dance in the street. <laughs> it's something that they, they don't want and they believe is going to... Well, I think this is probably the start of the... Because I don't think there was a teenager probably till the 60s, <laughs> if you think about it that way. you know. So um, yeah, I think this is probably the birth of teenagers... <laughs> yeah, so right you know i mean honestly you think about the, the bigger scheme of things as well my goodness these people who are protesting about a bit of rock and roll and and the kids dancing in the streets here wait yeah. until the 60s hit and alice cooper turns up pal he's gonna <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just seems silly to look back at now from our perspective because i've grown up with a uh, rock metal whatever you know and people mm-hmm. now it's nowadays some people like it some people don't and that's fine it's all subjective but to, to almost, I think, in, well, in this episode, they try to outlaw it. Essentially, they try to pass a law yeah. that it's illegal to play rock and roll in Peoria, and it seems mental to me. But I'm sure that was probably the focus of you know conversations at some point. I mean, if you you know going off tangent slightly, is video games always as a bad rap because of the age rating on a video game? Video games were seen as um, you know something to a bit of fun, but obviously then they started to progress and. Game I used uh, Mortal Kombat for a while was a subject of it's too violent and stuff like this. Even though it had an age rating of an eighteen over here, oh, but kids are going to play it. Well, then you need to make sure you, you know, you can't control kids. But like, if you put an age thing on it to say there's an eighteen, then or parental advisory. I remember those on CDs going to H and B back in the day and Eminem albums and stuff like that. But um, you know, it's just you know things change and. it takes a little bit of pushback, but eventually I think most of the time we get to the point of like, okay, we accept that you like this, <laughs> I guess. Mm. You're right. And every, 
to me, every generation has something similar. I mean, to me, you, you look at, I mean, you got rock and roll here in the fifties, you get into the sixties, you've got the, the, the birth of heavy metal, I suppose, with the likes of black Sabbath and deep purple and, and Zeppelin, I suppose need to mention there as well. They were very much receiving a pushback Sabbath, especially when they were seen as this big Satanist band and, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And then into the, you know, you get past that, you get into the seventies, sort of mid to late seventies, you have punk, and punk was, you know, this is the new devil's music. This is horrific, you know. And obviously, punk died out after a few years. And you had the the new wave of heavy metal coming out of the UK, the likes of Iron Maiden and so on. And I mean, Iron Maiden in nineteen eighty two released Number of the Beast. And it, it always tickles me how people were protesting against this record, especially in America. Huge, yeah. you know, the Number of the Beast album broke Maiden in America. That's what got them over the line in in the states. <laughs> And in the states, especially, <laughs> yeah, in the states, especially, there were people burning and smashing the album because it was seen as the title track, especially the number of the beast, was seen as um, devil worship and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, when it was pointed out to them, you know, the, these these kind of, and again, in their mind, they they see themselves as doing the right thing. So I've got to be careful how I word this. But when you actually read the lyrics of the song. It's not promoting devil worship, even though he sings six six six, the number of the beast, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, if you actually read the lyrics of the song, it's <clears throat> it's about a man going for a walk and he stumbles across some kind of weird ritual, and the people from the ritual are then trying to get hold of him and chase him, and the fear comes from running away from these people he's found. It's nothing to do with the guy singing, joining a cult and being a satanist as they were trying yeah. to project. Yeah. But these people are so, I suppose, scared, maybe. They're so full of fear. Maybe. They, don't, they don't know or don't understand. They're willing to literally put these fears on this this new thing, as you mentioned it, Benny, this new thing that has yeah. come along. They're effectively scared of it. Yeah. This is not how we do things is the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the things change, you know, definitely. You know, if, if, you, if you flip that to maybe medicine, the amount of things that have progressed in medicine over the years, if we were... If the you know the scientists and stuff and the doctors stayed in this box, then a lot of things that are now easily sort of treatable or be, be even cured in some cases yeah. wouldn't be a thing because you're almost it's almost like the dark ages. You shouldn't be listening to that music because it's you know number of the beast in this case. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, progress is always a struggle, but it's normally for the better. So within reason. Oh, I mean, you want you want the real devil's music. It's jazz. Just avoid it because it's shite. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all jazz fans out there. <laughs> you mean the rest of the jazz? She was all right with you about. No, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Benny, anyway. we have a, to me anyway, to, to me in particular, we have a very recognizable face in this episode in the actress Patricia Richardson, who plays Rachel, yeah. the owner Rachel, of yeah. the, yeah, the owner of the radio station. Uh, I know what I know her from. I know where I recognize her from. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, about her and her past or, or soon-to-be-future roles after Quantum Leap? I mean, there's a couple of people in this episode I recognized. Obviously, she was, like, number one. Um, and there's almost, like, there's certain people, there's almost, like, a, like a, I think I know you from somewhere. Like, you rack yep. your brain, but you can't place them. But, yeah, um so uh rachel porter played by patricia richardson where do you know her from out of curiosity home improvement yeah number one on here known for home improvement that's exactly where i know her from um 
and that's mainly the only thing I've seen her in. To be honest with you, I was looking through her, um, uh, like her list of stuff she's done. She's been in Law and Order, uh, the Special Victims Unit series. She did an episode of that. Um, Home Improvement. She did, as we already mentioned, from ninety one to nineteen ninety nine. I didn't realize it was. I didn't realize it run that long. To be honest with you, because I only yeah, ever saw yes. sporadic episodes of it. I never saw like a full. Do you know what I mean? Like a full season. Um, See the time it was shown here in the UK, like the time slot it had, whatever day it was, whatever time it was, whatever, it kind of must have just coincided with when my dad would get home and have his tea from work. It was, I think on Channel 4, I think, um, at okay. least from my memory. And I want to say about six-ish, maybe seven-ish. Or okay. it must have been after six because, or before six because I always used to watch Simpsons on Channel 2 <laughs> back in the right. day. Uh, it, what, so what I'm thinking maybe maybe it was a smidge later than that then. I'm not sure. Because my dad used to work crazy long hours. But I remember him really liking this show. Yeah. I remember him liking Tim, the, the main guy there. And uh, my dad enjoyed this this sitcom. And I remember sitting there with my dad. And um, that's how I got to know the show. And obviously the actress, Patricia, Patricia Richardson, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Via I mean, watching this with my dad. Yeah, I mean, Tim Allen, obviously. Yeah. Um, Tim the, the young, Tall Man Taylor. That's the one. <laughs> the younger, for younger people, I say younger people, my age group, weirdly, and younger, because my daughter watches it, but he's uh, Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story, does the voice of yes. Buzz. So, um, you know, I was just going to, uh, uh, Patricia's done uh, like Casey Nally in 1985. Um, uh, something I didn't know what Double Trouble. We, I think we mentioned Double Trouble before, and it was the actress that was in What Price Gloria, uh, who oh, had yeah. the twin sister, who was in the also in the Mirror Image. If you remember, she was also uh, in that, that little tie-in. Yeah, so she actually um, it's not chain wrestling, is it? Um, it used to be. Um, <laughs> she did about eight episodes. Level, levels and links, mate. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything, um, everything else on here, mate. You might recognise it to a degree. I there's, I mean, not, not to. NCIS, um, the I think the original series in 2021. Um, right. But, you know, other than that, I can't see anything that I would necessarily... It's not saying other people wouldn't recognise her from other things, but I'm not recognising any more of her, of her, um, her back catalogue, basically. But yeah, straight away when I saw her, I was like, home improvement, Tim the Toolman, yeah. and I was like, straight away, you know. Um, you say she was in an episode of Law and Order as well? Uh, yeah, Special Victims Unit series. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued now to find out if we ever get an episode of The Waiting Room and where you look back on different actors and actresses' careers. I'm intrigued to find if we get an episode where nobody has been in any form of Law & Order. Yeah, I don't been, think we will. I think, f- that I think we'll get an episode. I think at least one person in every episode of Quantum Leap has crossed over into Law & Order somewhere. Right, well, you mentioned Law and Order, mate. Douglas Eibold. Eibold? Yep. I say that. I like, to, I like to look up the actor that Sam leaps into to see if they've done anything else. And there's been a few actors as we've gone through, and they've only done Quantum Leap, and that's it, at least according to IMDb. They may have done theatre okay. and whatever else. But, but you mentioned <laughs> Law and Order. Uh, the guy who he leaps into, Chick Howell, was in Law and Order Special Victims Unit as well. And he was in, um, looks like he was in, one, two, he was actually in quite a few episodes by the looks of it. Uh, if I'm reading this right, he's done like, f- he's playing himself. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, in every episode, he's playing himself. <laughs> like eyeballed. That's so weird. But he's in Law, he's in Law and Order Special Victims Unit. He's done 49 episodes 
Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Using his own name. I don't know whether he's meant to be... Or was it? Or was, it, or was he an editor? Maybe I don't know. He might be involved yeah, in the that's show. What I'm thinking. I, I don't. I've watched a lot of a lot. My wife loves Law and Order SVU, so I've watched a lot of it with my wife. I don't remember him being in it, but then I've not seen a lot of the later seasons. So yeah. perhaps he was in a later season, or perhaps he was like a producer or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can't see it here. Um, he was also in Law and Order, the other one. <laughs> The other one, yeah. Uh, that we should have like a little button that goes off when Law and Order. They have the ding ding <laughs> when Law and oh, Order gets mentioned. We'll have to, might have to edit well, that in. I'll cut it. And, I'll cut it and put it in. All right, cool. <laughs> um, maybe that'll be a thing now. I think, to be honest. Um, so he's done two episodes of Law and Order, but again, it says Doug Eyebold. So I don't know whether it's it just says 1990 in one episode, then it has his actual name by it. So I don't know whether it's like a. He's a producer, a writer, or whether he is like a just one of those actors that appears in every show. <laughs> Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you ever watched it. Um, Walker, Texas Ranger. He was in that. Or I've seen it, yeah. yeah. Um, it gives you the episode's name, so I'm wondering if he's a writer. Um, uh, Xena, Warrior Princess, he's involved with as well. Um, Magnum PI, Miami Vice, uh, Quincy Emmy. So he's done quite That's a few now. different things to be fair. So I like to look at the actors and see what else they've done, who Sam leaps into. Cause half the time we don't, they, um, I mean that baseball player in the first episode did nothing else, but yet he's in the intro all the time. So he yeah. must've met, unless he was getting paid loads of money for it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just mental really. Just want to see the other dude. Um, so Barbara Perry is Theora, Theo, Theora Beeman, Mrs. Beeman, we're going to call her from now on. Right. Um, okay. And I thought I recognized her from something, but I don't know what it's from. But I've now realized what I've recognized her for because I've just seen it in the list, which I didn't see earlier when I was doing my research. She was in How I Met Your Mother, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, the original, oh, well, How I Met Your Mother, yeah. Um, she's actually in two episodes, which I didn't know. Um, She's a she's a widow. She's the widow. It's called and slaps giving three, uh, slap appointment. Yeah. So yeah, if you've seen How I Met Your Mother, you probably recognise who that is. There was nothing else that I can see off my list. I just want to see. There's a Law and Order for another sound mate. There's, she was in the Bill Cosby Show. I don't think we want to talk about that very much. Um. <laughs> no, a bit wobbly. A bit wobbly. Yeah. Going um, <laughs> to move past that very quickly. Um, there's nothing else I see on here. So I knew I recognized her from somewhere, but I couldn't, I couldn't place her. But uh, yeah, she was in How I Met Your Mother. I'm pretty sure Barney's wearing, um, what they freaking called overalls or whatever, um, with the, right. you know, with the, and uh, dungarees, or whatever we call them over here, you know, with the clips on. Um, and he says, I'm not going to take these off until I get laid, basically. And the only woman that fancies him is an old lady who goes, yoo-hoo, from the window. I'm pretty sure it's her. So he ends up taking the one off and going in. <laughs> and, um, so it's... Uh, um, uh, ER, and quickly, um, E.R. Davis is the sheriff. Again, he looked familiar to me. I wasn't sure, but I must have seen him in this. And he was in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air one episode as somebody called Joe. Now, I don't, nec- I don't necessarily remember the episode or anything, but I think that must have been where I've, um, I've seen him. Uh, he was also in JAG um, and LA Law. Um, 
It's just one of there's any other popular shows here that I'm aware of. Oh, he, uh, another actor. Maybe we, should, we need a murder she wrote theme as well because we have a lot of those. Uh, we so do, Lord, we? a lot of murder, oh, yeah. murder she wrote, Lorna murder she wrote, and uh, MacGyver and A Team are the te- are the ones that seem to get a lot of mentions from actors. A lot of crossovers, uh, isn't there? From the, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, he was in the murder she wrote. Um, he was a board member. And as E.R. Davis, it says. So sometimes they use their own names in these other shows, which I find a bit strange. Uh, Steve Bean, who is um, Leland, he's like the, uh, he's uh, Beeman's like right hand suck up, not man, suck up, yeah, the yeah. dude that's like sticking up for him. And again, he looked familiar, but I couldn't remember where from. And I've looked through a couple of the uh, stuff, man. The only thing I think of I may have seen him in when I was a kid was Mouse Hunt, which had Lee Evans in. I don't know if you ever saw oh, that. Um, mouse, no, no, I'm thinking of something else. I was thinking of a film with Rowan Atkinson. That's not it, is it? Yeah. Um, and that's why it really he was in Third Rock from the Sun. His character name was Man. So I don't know who that was. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. So, yeah. and, that's, uh, and then last one, Richard McKenzie, which is uh, the, the good guy slash bad guy, <laughs> whatever you want to call him, Beeman, basically. And again... I thought I recognised him from something. I've gone through his list. That at least if I don't remember seeing it anyway. Um, nothing on there I could think of that I've seen him in personally, but he did make an appearance in MacGyver. Um, so again, we've got another MacGyver sort of dude. NYPD Blue, for people that have seen that. Also in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So maybe that's where I saw him. Okay. And 21 Jump Street, but it was a TV series. Yeah, so okay. going back to like the eighties and was it the yeah, mid eighties, so wasn't it? I wasn't even aware that um Twenty One Jump Street was a series, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um yeah. Um MacGyver, which I already said, and that was it. There's no uh there's no law and order this time. <laughs> so that's all of them. Oh. Okay. That's a lot really. When you think about it, it's not a big cast in this episode, is it? Not there? really, no. There's but not the Sam and the sort of two regular faces you see at the radio station. And then you've got the couple of people who are trying to effectively get rock and roll, you know, shut that the station shut down and they want to kill rock and roll, I suppose. Uh, yeah. and that's kind of it. You get a lot of extras, a lot of people dancing, but that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean the other person I should mention, which we will later on, is Chubby Checkers, but he's playing himself, mm. so you know. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but like I said, it doesn't seem like a huge cast, and half the time when you watch these episodes, there's only like four. You have Sam, Al, and maybe two others, or maybe three others, and that's about it. Obviously, there's loads of extras in this one dancing around and stuff, and it just reminds me of watching Grease, to be honest with you. <laughs> there's something uh, actually talking about extras. There's something we're going to come to very soon about that. That's really interesting that I want to bring up when we come to the scene where Sam is DJing. But anyway, just to set the scene, so to speak, Sam is a DJ, as we mentioned, in Peoria. And the the advertisers are pulling their funding to the radio station because Rachel refuses to stop playing rock and roll. Uh, eventually, this goes to the council. It goes to a council meeting and they say, yep, yeah, rock and roll is now banned. That can't happen. Uh, but Rachel refuses to stop playing rock and roll on her station. The following day, we have Sam arriving to work as the DJ, and Al assists him in picking records to play, because Sam's got the whole Swiss cheese issue going on with his mind. He doesn't know what's a good song and what's not a good song. And it's quite a funny scene, because you've got Sam sat in his little 
DJ booth, I guess, would be the term. Is it a studio, potentially? Yeah. And then you've got Rachel sat the other side of the glass, I suppose, watching him. And he's physically showing Al the 45s, which are yeah, which are the which are the the singles which which were called 45s. He's showing them the 45s, and Al's going nope, nope, nope. So Sam's showing them to the side and then throwing them down when they're no good. But of course, we can see Al. Rachel looking through the glass cannot. She just sees this guy effectively talking to himself about music and and chucking records away, which I thought was quite funny. I like the fact that she's like, there's another guy in the room with her. I can't remember his name, but he's like, they kind of look at each other, look back at him, and she kind of rolls her eyes and like, okay. The, obviously, Howling Chick Howell must be a bit of a character for her to sort of go, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> but she does have this, it is a funny moment though. And I love Al's comments like, what are you nuts? Like some of the tracks he's suggesting because he doesn't know, he doesn't remember any music. Mm. It was a nice little uh, little glitch in his head, little you know Swiss cheese moment. Really, it was a cool like I don't remember any music because he's traveling through time fixing things that went went wrong, and music is probably not you know even yeah. in the forefront of his brain. You know, um, we hear some great again, songs. No, that was, that's a little bit of a contradiction as well, though, isn't it? Because if you think back to an episode we covered in season one, he he exp- he gives famous song lyrics to pe- you know the, the lyrics to Peggy Sue out. So he remembers that, and he then obviously remembers the the twist when he sees you know the creator of the twist in a in a very short oh, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al, Al reminds him, doesn't he? Because Al's the one going like, uh, "Okay, cool. right, okay." So that yeah, one you can explain away because Al jogs his memory. But you know, in season yeah. one, he could remember he could remember the lyrics to Peggy Sue, which yeah, is a funny one. The little kids, the little you know, Buddy Holly singing Piggy Sue. Everybody, come on, why don't you try Peggy? I think that would sound better. So. I understand where you're coming yeah, from, but you could, but you could also go anything's better than Piggy. Surely, you know, Sammy Joe. He could have yeah. like said, I don't know, but like it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it just, um, yeah. I, I'm, a, I, I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm like, I'll defend the show to the hilt to a degree. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get on this hill. <laughs> uh, effectively, Al gives him, uh, gives Sam, sorry, a very quick, I suppose, DJ lesson. To try and you know, because you can't just turn up and go, oh, that song was such and such, and now we're going to play this because people will be bored. You got a bit of a personality and, and a bit of character to do that sort of thing. As, as Benny, I mean, I'm 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 saying this, but it's as well as you well know, having done, uh, you know, music DJing on radio stations in the past yourself, isn't it? Well, you know, grassroots level, but yeah, you've got to be kind of the links between. I look, I look at music. I love music, obviously, but I look at the songs as a break from me talking. So you can play two songs back to back or whatever with the right thing. But yeah, to link things in, make a bit, you, you, ultimately, as you've said, probably the simplest way of putting it, you're trying to entertain people that are listening, you know, and radio is one of those mediums where, you know, even this podcast to a degree, you could be listening to it in one ear, but then you can be doing other things and you're kind of in and out of radio whereas a tv program if you don't like it you don't like it so you don't watch it but if you're into it you don't apart from ad breaks if you you know if you still do they watch normal tv you don't really walk away from the telly do you so radio is more of a keep company in the background thing so but either way you want it to be entertaining so yeah of course of course yeah and we see groups of children well say children teenagers out in the street playing the radio and just meeting up to listen to the radio here and yeah people driving in the car all together in a convertible car, listening to Sam on the radio. 
so I suppose back then it might have meant a little bit more potentially than how we're talking about it now. But you still need to have that level of personality and that sort of engaging uh, character to get people to listen. Now, Sam basically then starts, you know, with the whole Good Morning Peoria thing taken from Good Morning Vietnam. And he's running through all sorts of jokes and skits and moments and so on that Al has been feeding him. And we keep getting cuts to people listening to the station out and about laughing their head off thinking this is incredibly entertaining. Uh, But Sam, when he, to me, it's a really nice moment because Sam looks like he's fully into it and looks like he's having an absolute blast. Look, he's really enjoying himself. And then when they, when, when he presses play on a record, so obviously it cuts his mic, he, he leans back in his chair and he almost comes across shameful or embarrassed by what he's doing. Yeah. He says to Al, yeah, he says to Al that he feels like he's made an idiot of himself, which which is amazing because of how into it he was, you know? It seemed like it, yeah, because like you said, the way he delivered the, lo- the line, you know, good morning, Peoria. I can't do it. I'm not going to try either. Um, but um, when he was doing it, <clears throat> like you said, he seemed really into it, like really good as well. But when he sat back and sank in that chair, it's almost like trying to hide from the world, like what the hell have I just done? Um, but obviously people are listening, the producer and, uh, Rachel are in behind the glass, sort of like, where did that come from? And the other dudes, like the other DJ that he took off his shift to take over is like giving him the thumbs up. And then, like you said, we see people laughing later on people in the diner, listening to it, laughing while they're eating their food, and, you know? Um, so, you know, radio is definitely a thing. I mean, my nan always used to call it the wireless <laughs> and I haven't heard that for right, so yeah. long. So, you know, I, I, I miss that to be fair, but in this era, I would say it's the start of the radio star, isn't it? Because it did lead into the 80s and stuff, I think. But um, it's not like TV show stars. You had TV, but radio seemed to be the same level as TV and entertainment. Like, you you could become a radio star as well. So, yes. Yeah. And basically, this, this moment kind of, I suppose, solidifies Al's thoughts on what Sam should be doing on the station. And Sam, I suppose gets a little confidence boost because he's getting uh, he's getting the, the seal of approval i suppose from his peers as you mentioned benny yeah uh, just as this seems to be going well we get a brick through the window and it smashes the console and disrupts the record and again it's just another reminder that whereas there's all these people who are very keen to listen to rock and roll and it's you know uh, sought after by certain age groups and certain groups of people there's still other people who are very much against it. And that came as quite a, uh, quite a bolt out of the blue for me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't expect that to happen. They're talking and then this brick just goes wallop and it kind of made me jump to be fair. Um, it's also like, I've no, it's only when I'm watching it back that I realized that cause Sam was sat where he was sat in the booth and he stood up now sort of energized in like, it's like I'm playing or he's, he's starting to really enjoy it now. I'm not seeming like he's enjoying it at this point. If Sam hadn't moved, he'd have been hit by the brick as well. So not only have you got vandalism mm-hmm. going on there, you've also got, you know, um, harm going on there. But yeah, it, yeah. I'd forgotten about it. Um, the brick, did the brick go through Al? Am I thinking, is, am I, yes. am I right in thinking that happened? You sit in front of the, ring, the window, so the brick comes through Al's chest into the uh, console and basically knocks him off the air. Um, I had a theory of who actually threw the brick as well. I don't know. I don't think um, Mr... Uh, the Mr. Man, who's the main culprit. I don't think he threw it. I actually think it was his, um, not that we ever find out, just my own little theory. I actually thought it was his little uh, little lapdog, uh, Leland, who's like his okay, little... Yeah. I figured, like, he ain't going to do that himself, is he? 
he doesn't want no, to be no, no, especially no. it was broad daylight as well you know he's doing the morning shift I mean well, that was my theory Sam's car is vandalised as well isn't it, it oh, yeah, you see that quite that. early on on the windscreen it's like um, Chuck Chick is the, the, the written on the, you know I mean don't get me wrong not exactly the most serious of all but yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's a the car rock and roll on there or ban rock and roll and so on I imagine the same the same thing then. I, that, that didn't enter my mind until you brought that up. But yeah, that does make yeah. a lot of sense. That, that that sort of lackey lapdog person, the assistant, I guess, would be doing these, carrying out these tasks, I suppose. Yeah, but like the, the, the focus is on banning rock and roll, but there's nobody's mention in this episode, which I think is, you know, a bit weird that nobody's mentioning that somebody's vandalized his car and caused yep. property damage you know, not only to a window, but also breaking a very expensive piece of equipment, which obviously Sam manages to fix and they get back on air. But like, nobody's really mentioning the vandalism in this. And it's a very, it was very reminiscent of um, Color of Truth a little bit. Those lads, you know, you know, d- d- you know vandalizing, yeah. you know, property. They're all talking about this, this focus of, in this case, rock and roll, and nobody's focusing on, well, who did the hell did that to my car? All right, yeah. maybe one, you may not agree with rock and roll, but it doesn't give you the right to vandalize property or somebody's personal property. So, yeah, very much, I suppose, turning a blind eye when it suits them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what it feels like, doesn't it? So small, that sort of small town vibe that we had in, yeah. you know, Color of Truth, basically. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, after the ruling of the council saying that they're going to they're going to basically ban rock and roll. Uh, Sam and Rachel return to the radio station and barricade themselves in, for want of a better term. They decided, <laughs> yeah. we're going we're to carry on playing rock and roll, sod it. And they kind of, they put what looks like potentially the lightest sofa of all time in front of the, in front of the door. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> somebody get through there. An old lady could push that open. It'd be funny. The stuff yeah, they exactly. exactly. Somebody yeah. weak, sorry, an old lady, I shouldn't say that, but like somebody who's weaker. Well, uh, <laughs> And, and they decide they're going to carry on broadcasting rock and roll and just go for it. And they're, they're playing all these records and Sam's doing his thing as a DJ, much to the, I suppose, disappointment and anger of the local councillors uh, and businessmen, isn't it, Benny? Yeah, they're all sort of patting each other on the back, aren't they, at this point, all these guys and like, yeah, well done, we won, yeah, woohoo, and all this kind of stuff. And the mayor's there as well. Um, who is there kind of supporting this uh, this fella, but like when start, stuff starts hitting the fan a bit more, he's like, I don't want anybody arrested. You know, we've got elections coming up mm. and all this kind of stuff. So it becomes very political then. But, you know, we've got the whole like First Amendment, is it First Amendment rights? You know, freedom of speech. Yes. You know, um, these guys obviously were talking, what, 1959 was still very much in the shadow of um, World War Two, really. You know, it's, peacetime and everything but you know with cold wars going on but like the conflict in general has ended and they fought for the freedom and yet now they're trying to ban you should live how we tell you to live which is ironic really considering the dictator they were fighting um not so many years prior to this really yeah yeah exactly exactly um as always i guess we get a well maybe not always but a lot of the time in quantum leap there is kind of uh, romantic undertones to the to the situation as well and rachel and sam start to bear in mind it's very clear early on in the episode that the the individual sam has leapt into clashes a great deal 
with Rachel, but they kind of need each other. They're kind of almost like a, you know, a, a necessity. They they can't sort of, you know, it, despite the the inconvenience, they they kind of need each other. As in, Rachel knows that it's almost like Howlin, uh, DJ Howlin, whatever his name is, Howlin Howell is he's like a minor celebrity. It comes across as people yeah, kind yeah. of know who he is, so he's kind of. I, I suppose a known name in these circles, which helps like the station. And also it seems like this guy may be a bit flaky. There's mentions about him being late to work and stuff like that. So perhaps yeah. he might be running. I, I took it as he's running out of options when it comes to working in that industry. So yeah, they kind of need really... each other, but they don't want to be associated with each other at the same time. I feel like obviously Rachel's uh, at this point, her dad started the station. She's learned everything she has from her dad. Um, it seems like she doesn't have any siblings or anything like that. So she's an only child. She's a uh, a woman in this sort of era running a, a business, and maybe yep. she, I think she's got a tougher exterior because of maybe the people around her, aka the men are like, oh, you know, a woman running a radio station. I don't know. That's I get that vibe. You don't you do see it a little bit. You like you see um, Fred almost like talking down to her a little bit in the in the in the earlier on in the episode about pulling her appetite. Yeah. Um, yeah, but. Uh, Chick, I think, is like you said, been a bit flaky. Um, gone to a lot of radio. They even mentioned, I think, he's been to about three, four stations in a couple of years. So he's had a fair few jobs. Like you said, this is might not. It probably his last. Um, might be his last chance in the industry, as you very well put. So, um, but they, although they, they seem to antagonise each other because neither one will back down. I think is what the. But you get that from the off, like when Sam leaps in, like Sam's. You know, he'll make little comments every now and again, and it, Rachel responds to it in kind. And um, but yeah, she's very like, and a lack of a better way of saying it, she's got her shields up. I think because of probably the industry she's in and the time period she's in, dealing with, you know, and obviously dad's no longer around. So beforehand, I'm assuming it was dad and daughter, and now dad's gone, daughter's left with the business. But I think there's a mention of um. I think Fred mentions her dad saying your dad wouldn't want this as well at some point, I think. Yes, or I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I get that impression anyway. So, um, but yeah, she's a strong willed woman and uh, doesn't take any guff basically. And Sam gives as good as he gets and they, but then it's sort of, what's the, what's the saying? Uh, um, what's I kind of the bloody saying, mate, to be honest. Um, there's this fine line between love and hate is what I'm trying to say. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I love yeah. Iron Maiden reference there. That's an Iron Maiden. There you go. <laughs> He's coming back to Maiden this week, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, Al mentioned, as mentioned on a previous episode, uh, and sort of brings it up again here, doesn't he? That it's like the kids in the in the in the playground. That if a girl, if a boy likes a girl. And it, it, you, you can tell because he's pulling her pigtails and all this sort of stuff when they're young and, and yeah, so on. It's kind of that, yeah, kind of that scenario, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder um, that. Um, sorry, it makes you wonder because obviously Sam has these Swiss cheese moments. I think I've said it before, but whether he gets any of their personality or any mm. of their sort of like, he feels the 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 I don't know the feelings maybe of the person he's leapt into to a degree so that's maybe why he's Swiss cheesed a bit I don't know I just a little theory I was working on I think I did yeah, mention interesting, it. yeah so yeah you did it's very interesting it's, it's you know it's something that I suppose we never really get answered but it would yeah. explain quite a few things I think as the show goes on maybe that's something we can really keep an eye out for on future episodes to yeah yeah sort of check Good on if there's more of that. 
Many more yeah, law and order right. actors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> dun dun. Um, <laughs> as they're, they're they're sort of locked away together, Sam and Rachel, uh, they have a bit of a dance, and you know, almost a bit of a smooch, so to speak. And as this happens, the transmission cables of the radio station are are, are terminated. They're cut away to shut the yeah. station down stopping them playing any music never mind rock and roll and uh, rachel then as you said benny you worded it so well saying that she's kind of got her shields up kind of got her guards up she straight away realizes that at this moment she's let her shields down and she literally quick as a flash brings them straight back up again and <laughs> yeah. somehow declares that this whole scenario this whole situation is <laughs> yeah. being manifested by sam or sam's character to get her alone I mean, I'm not being funny. That's I mean, that that's taking it to the extreme, isn't it? To try and think that that's a situation that you know he could have concocted on his own. I mean, you could argue that he could have taken, although she didn't exactly. They both they were both into that moment. If you watch the scene, they're both into that moment. There's yeah. no foul play in there at all. But like, she not only it's one thing to maybe go, you took advantage of me in my vulnerable state. You know, you could argue that to a degree, but to say that he made up the whole council meeting to get a rock and roll band just to get here locked into a radio station as a, some sort of protest it's quite absurd so that's so like she's scrambling at anything to make out that it's i wasn't letting my shields down you know it's all your fault type thing and you're taking them- advantage of me and all this sort of stuff yeah yeah um which actually leads into one of my favorite moments in this uh, was when sam's on the roof mending the uh Aerial, they figure out that they've got copper pipes in here, so they can use copper to then refix the the aerial, so they can then rebroadcast. And then Al yeah. stood up there, and as it turns back on, Al starts glowing, and he's like, oh, "I'm leaping." He goes, "No, you're too close to the aerial. <laughs> Get away from it!" <laughs> I found it hilarious. I mean, they explain why he glows, but like, I just found it hilarious that Al's first thought was, "Oh, I'm leaping." <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's a good moment. It's a good moment. And and Sam sort of going out of his way to get the station back on air, I guess. Absolutely, like yeah. Using the, the copper drain pipes and so on to, to sort of fire everything back to life again kind of convinces Rachel that maybe this wasn't a trick of his all along. <laughs> Do you think, love? Bloody hell. That is the weirdest, like conclusion she's come to, to from my from my point of view at least anyway like it's one thing to maybe yeah, lock yourself in a radio it. station but <laughs> to blame him for the whole thing in that moment was like what <laughs> you psychotic woman what's the matter with you? <laughs> insane absolutely insane oh dear um before we get to the actual i suppose conclusion of the episode because we're coming to it now we're coming to it now yeah. um we have kind of skirted over uh, one of these one of these kisses with history, one of these brushes with history that was quite quite a, you know quite oh, yeah, a moment yeah. of the show itself because it's not just a kiss with history that was quite cleverly done. It involves the actual individual that is being referenced in this flashback in history, Benny, doesn't it? Do you want, do you want to talk us through yeah, yeah. Uh, talk us through this 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 scene? I, I do you know what? It's one of the few I think that we've seen so far, the Michael Jackson one's a bit sketchy as we, as we know, yeah. because the, yeah. it wouldn't have made sense that it was Michael or whatever. But um, for me, even though I'm looking at, uh, there's a factual error, which I'll point out in a minute. 
according to IMDb, but like, um, I feel this is very plausible that you're an artist trying to get a song played. What do you do? You go to the radio station, you know, back then you didn't have MySpace and bloody mm. SoundCloud and <laughs> iTunes not, and, you so, know. Sorry, sorry, Benny, sorry to interrupt, but it's not just plausible. It's, it's, it's reality. This is what happened. Yeah. In the fifties, yeah. you, you if you were trying to scrape the money together in the fifties and even beforehand, you were trying to scrape the money together to record your your, your demo yeah. record. Because it's not just a case of like like now, like I suppose like we have, we, we press record and there it is, we can do whatever we want with the file. You've yeah, got to pay for the materials, you've got to pay for the pressing of the vinyl, everything. Yeah. It's, it's, you it's know, a physical it's item, it's not a digital. different world. Yeah, yeah, it's a physical yeah. item, it's then not a digital download. Exactly. So then you've lit then then the then the artists who were unsigned would literally physically go from radio station to radio station and management company to management company, handing out demos to say, will you listen to my demo? And yeah, yeah. this this kind of practice in the 50s going into the 60s kind of exploded with regards to the bands that were all coming out around that time. And, and I suppose it never really went away. I mean, we'll use them as an example because we spoke about them quite a few times already on this show. As, as late as 1979... Uh, Iron Maiden were literally recording a demo to pass out to radio stations and get played by rock DJs at rock clubs. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of it was a it was a very you know long it was a practice very for a long practice. time. You know, there was there was yeah. you know it very much based in reality. But sorry, I interrupted. Please, please carry on. Oh, and no, that was great. No, that's great because I didn't even, I didn't even stop to we could uh, think about like nowadays. I mean, literally, like I said, we talked about it before. But I buy CDs and stuff still occasionally. Mm -hmm. Generally, I have like a I have a streaming service, and I just go, oh, I like that song, boom, and there it is. You know, I'm gonna to go to the shop anymore. I used to buy CD singles, obviously. Um, you know, that stopped being a thing. Um, so yeah, it was a good point to point out that it's not just like you said, hit and record, and you know, plugging your guitar in, and you know, you know, don't get me wrong, you still got to work at it and still get it right. But you know, you then you could then record a file. And then you can send it by your email if you want to. You haven't got to do any traveling. You can literally, Billie Eilish is, you know, career started in her brother's room, I think, to be honest. So, you know. Right. So, you know, here we go. But anyway, um, the um, I'm going to defend. I know it's a factual error, right? So it says here, Sam meets Chubby Checker in the radio station lobby and soon after plays his demo uh, record, The Twist. However, the song was released in summer of 1960 and reached number one in September. This episode takes place in September 1959. Okay, but we're not talking modern day. We're talking 1959. So I, it may be a factual error in terms of when it came out, but my logic is he could have quite easily gone to this state radio station. They played it a few times. Other stations started picking up on this uh, artist. Yeah. And then, it may, then it reached number one a year later. I can't see why it that happens. would not be a thing. So, you know. Appetite for Destruction, know? Guns N' Roses. Yeah, great album. Hit number one, hit number one effectively on a re-release it was first initially released and had airplay 12 months previous but nobody oh, picked yeah. up picked it up so that, that literally backs up the point you're trying to make benny you're absolutely spot yeah. on the money yeah so that's the one that's the one factual error that i'm like all right it might be technically true but like i could see like you said or like i said sorry that handing in and it could take a year for it to take off to be honest it could even take longer than that if nobody's picking up on it um so you know, I I don't have a problem with the chubby checkers going there and giving in a demo. To be honest, <laughs> so yeah, no. And it was actually him, wasn't it? It was it, it was, was actually yeah, yeah. himself. He was apparently in his late forties here, 
playing himself as a 17 year old which is <laughs> yeah, a bit weird but i i like the uh i like the um, i mean you could argue that but i like it when sam's kind of looking at him talking to him he's doing the twist <laughs> which anybody who can't see me doing this aside so saw me do the twist kind of in my chair with a bad back at all um but um i love the fact that chubby checkers i'm assuming i don't know if he did any other acting i didn't look that up but he goes do i know you <laughs> <laughs> the way yeah. you deliver the line, I found it funny. I, I don't know why it's funny. Um, maybe it's just my brain. You're laughing at it, so obviously you found it funny as well. But is yeah, it, when yeah. <laughs> no, and it's dude's just and he's like, oh, can I borrow that for my act? You know, it's Sam. Yeah, that's great. Which he got from Al. He goes, oh yeah, I remember the twist. I'm going to do the twist in front of Chubby Checkers, who at this point allegedly has never done it. <laughs> so yeah. can I use that for my act? And then Chubby Checkers is doing it, and then he breaks into a little bit of a song as well while they're playing the track on the radio station. Um, Rachel doing the twist is hilarious, by the way. It's almost like me trying to do the floss. Um, <laughs> it doesn't go well. <laughs> but but Al, Al enjoys her doing the twist, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Of course he does. <laughs> He's got having a cheeky little look in the Al. You know, he, oh, he yeah. misses an opportunity. That cigar's never lit. He's always looking at the women, to be fair. He might light it at one yeah. point, but it's always gone out. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good moment. Uh, it was, it was. Um, but yeah, as, as we were saying, the, the station's back on the air with the, the, the copper drain pipes, I suppose, acting as its antenna to broadcast from, I suppose. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah. So they've used the copper to, uh, I don't know how far the signal would go. I mean, I'm not overly familiar, familiar with my, my uh, radio DJ and is uh, literally all online, mate. So <laughs> I've never had to worry about an antenna before. So that's um, worldwide. <laughs> yeah, 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 obviously, yeah. Board, yeah. Board. I listen to about five people. Um, but it's just a case of. Um, hey, yeah, I, I, I listened. listened. Wait, I listened. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. So I need to find the other four that listened. My missus, probably. <laughs> <laughs> My mum. <laughs> I don't know anyone else. Maybe a couple of mates. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's acting as the antenna, basically. I don't know how far that antenna would go. Obviously, depending on how much power you put into it, depends on how far the signal will travel, I believe. So. Yeah, um, but yeah. so yeah. And is not a big place, is it? And it's a local radio station anyway, I guess. So maybe it does just kind of do the job that they need it to, potentially. It might service like the local sort of area in a sense of that town mm-hmm. and maybe like a few other towns around. Um, you know, you like we have radio stations over, you know, where we're from. Um, um because they, uh, if you, well, back in the day, Seven Sound would have only reached probably the three counties to a degree, maybe a bit further, but now obviously it's global in heart. You can listen to heart pretty much anywhere in the country now. So, you know, mm. again, that's using the aerials and, um, using stations to bounce it. <laughs> yeah. To, to a degree. Obviously we have the, the advent of, um, digital radio now as well. So it's all a bit different <laughs> from the fifties, but it is way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, with the station being back on air, a, basically this has really incensed the people who wanted it off because I, I get the opinion that they're just used to getting their own way they say yeah. this is what happens and and it happens they you know they say jump and expect people to ask how high is the impression i get from these people yeah as my mum would say they say shit and you jump on the shovel basically <laughs> as my mum would say. <laughs> right okay i've not heard that one before <laughs> no, that's good. i've heard it all my life mate so <laughs> yeah, it's good ah, okay um yeah i feel like you Again, I think also because it's, um, I think Fred was in the war as well, wasn't he? So he's kind yes. of got that local respect. He's a local businessman. So he has got that sort of, um, influence in the town 
maybe for parents and the older generation to a degree. So he's, like you said, used to get in his way. And, uh, and boy, do we see a big boy tantrum. <laughs> oh, do we ever. He, he gets very angry um, and basically tries to just smash the door down, doesn't he? He's trying to... It, it, does he have an axe, axe, I think? Yeah, I think it was an axe, yeah. And he's trying to yeah, smash through that. Yeah, that's a bit like, all right, mate, calm down, you know? Of course, in front of everybody, he's now causing damage to a, you know, we're actually yeah. seeing him do it. Um, obviously, like we said earlier, there's no sort of mention about the damage beforehand. I mean, obviously, we hear it talked about and it getting repaired. We don't hear anything about, we don't see a sheriff or anything talking about who could have done this and everything. I feel like, like I said, maybe the assistant did that. And now we're seeing, um, you know, Fred, like losing his shit basically <laughs> in front of a lot of people not just youngsters all these people that like look to him in this moment of less council uh band rock and roll his credibility is like <laughs> slipping down I'll quite quickly i was i was desperately as you were speaking i was desperately searching for the right words but you're right he, he's losing credibility isn't he he's yeah. losing that respect factor that uh, i suppose absolutely yeah has people listening to him i suppose he doesn't even like he's doing it and obviously it is um I, I can't remember who calms him down is it his wife calms him down and then maybe the sheriff as well kind of managed to calm him down and because of what's happening in this moment though i don't know if you've got it written down sam they fight they find a paper clip they find a paper uh cutting don't they from the local paper which i think was actually written by frank beeman himself yes that's um, right yeah yeah so at yeah. the end of world war Two, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't got it in front of me, but um, it's uh, so the words he used are basically saying we've, you know, we fought for freedom, and now we've got it. Basically, so let no man or no person, no anybody, stop you from doing what you want to do. You know, within reason, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it, it thanks the soldiers who who passed away, obviously lost their lives, and says it was all for freedom. And then Sam on the air says, "All we want is a little freedom too." And this this stuns the council workers and and so on, and they they kind of accept the the situation then, don't they? And that's kind of it. To when Rachel and Sam then walk out of the radio station to just get a you know basically a standing ovation, I suppose, from all the kids who have been gathering and dancing in the street and so on. Uh, yeah. Al explains that the station goes on to be number one. I mean, I don't know if that's locally or a bigger deal or whatever. And that Rachel and Howling Howell then go eventually end up being a couple to get hitched and live happily ever after, I guess. To which point Rachel then tells Sam to buy her breakfast after he finishes his shift. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. And he's been there um, all night with her as well. <laughs> and yeah. He's done like nine shifts in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, yeah. And we, we get the happy ever after, which is kind of good. Um, the one sort of thing I found a bit weird was Al still on top of a car, which is fine. And he does the howling chick, howl, howl. And then Sam leans back to do it as well. But the other fella next to him look kind of looks towards Al as well. I'm like, I understand if Sam started doing it, the other guy would join in, but like they almost do it in, they do it in unison. Like howling. I'm right. like, but how? <laughs> Unless I don't understand. <laughs> so why no, it okay, triggered. Yeah. It, I mean, if to trigger Sam, I get, but the other guy shouldn't hear or see Al. So how did he know to lean back and do the howl at the same time? <laughs> I know I'm getting a bit biggie, but it, it does no, make no, sense. No, there's a couple of moments. There's a couple of moments I, I noticed as well. I and mean, one I noticed myself 
that I, when I did my second rewatch for the podcast, that I I, I just sort of doubled down on it. And one that I noticed I noticed after the fact, after doing a bit of reading, and it was pointed out to me. We mentioned the, the moment with the brick coming through the window and coming through Al and so on. Uh, I I didn't see this myself, but I read it online and ended up looking for it. There's a car on the opposite side of the street with people okay. stood around. Now, what I find out is basically these people aren't people. They're mannequins. They're models. Oh, really? So when yeah, when Sam, sorry, when Al is stood there and talking to Sam, these people are frozen in the background, just stood there. But I didn't know unless that. you knew, unless you knew to look for it, you wouldn't notice. And it's just like you know, just background, and it makes it you know, it's it's no big deal. But then when the window is broken they've literally turned around or some of them are bending around to look at the, what's going on. And again, they're frozen again, where they've literally just been repositioned from one shot to the next, but their mannequins oh. just stood there completely still. Didn't know that. <laughs> How did I miss no, that? Did I. Nor did I into the, you know, literally just making a few notes and so on for today and it coming up in front of me here and now. Yeah, yeah. And then I rewatched the episode wow. again before we recorded. Uh, the second one was one that I did notice myself. And then again, it was sort of, I suppose, doubled down on by what I read online. In that, obviously, Sam or, or Howling Howell is sat in the recording studio or, or the yeah, yeah. It may be, surrounded by glass. So yeah, there's reflections. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> A load of the reflections I thought were brilliantly done because they are Howling Chick Howell's reflection when it should be Sam, if you know what I mean. Now, that is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I, you know, you wouldn't even notice it, but it's just still there. It's one of those things that is just it's done just in case, I guess, because it's not really a big thing. But then there's two moments during the show where it's, you, you catch a glimpse of Sam's reflection when it shouldn't be Sam's reflection. Ah, right, okay. I did notice one, to be fair. I can't remember. I mean, obviously, it's in that booth, but I don't remember which scene it was. But I did notice it. It's when you see Al walking and you see a shadow coming off him. You're like, yeah, but you're a hologram. You shouldn't have a shadow. Yeah, have you got a shadow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's little things like that. You got to kind of let go to a degree, because oh, of course, of course. You know, um, but yeah, you know, if you really get into the critique of it, you could say, but for the time, the stuff they were doing, making double rooms, ang- angling, angling the camera, so the reflection oh, is the other guy is brilliant. You know, um, but yeah, there are a few moments you kind of get. I I have noticed it a few times. The last episode blind faith um when al's trying to lead sam down that pathway and you see the shadow and he's kicking leaves and stuff you're like but you're a hologram i yeah i know it's not i know it's impossible but there are little moments you go no (laughs) yeah very true and uh, to me it'd be easy to criticize the show because of these errors but kind of now because of the show we're doing i kind of now end up looking for these little moments and enjoying them yeah some of them are quite funny to look at to be fair or you think oh my god like i mean the the brick coming through al's um chest brilliant move to have him stood there but obviously you can clearly see that he's not there because of the way they used the technology back then so you know yeah. i look past most of it but you go oh my god you know <laughs> so when you watch an older film and they use for the long shots they use like old models or something um, and it's like um, you know, you click, and like back when I was a kid, I didn't notice it. As I've got older and got into more films and stuff, I'm starting to notice that's a model. Like, but beforehand, I never noticed yeah. it that it was a model. So you know, it's um, yeah, 
it's a bit of fun. I don't want to stand sit here and go like it's crap because of Al kicking a leaf when he's supposed to be a hologram, you know. But um, there are moments that no, you said, of course. Um, I guess then now we just come to <clears throat> how how we rate the episode overall. Then we've got our out of five rating overall, and we've got our uh, oh boys and our cacas for our top moments and our worst moments. Uh, Benny, what are you thinking? One of my favourite moments is um, is Al glowing. My oh boy moment. Oh boy. Um, is Al glowing on top of the roof, but almost acting like a little kid, like I'm leaping, and Sam having to tell him to move away from the aerial. It yeah, was almost like yeah. uh, like like a uh, uh, Sam was like the adult for a, for a split second, like he normally is anyway. <laughs> but there was just step away from it. I'm I'm leaping. No, just step away. It's the aerial, you know. Um, I suppose the caca moment as we were talking about it, um, went a little caca. I don't feel so bad about it now. So I don't know whether I want to actually mention it to be honest, but, um, it was the reflection in the mirror because they, they took the time to make sure that he wasn't in the others, which I thought was bloody brilliant of them to do. Yeah. And then they just have the odd one that escaped their notice maybe. Um, so yeah, I mean, that even that seems a bit trivial now after the conversation we just had, Do do you know what I mean? Maybe the brick coming through Al's chest was looking a bit cheesy as well. Went a little caca. But I think the biggest caca for me is the fact that the there was no sort of follow-up to the vandalism to the radio station, <laughs> really. Okay, yeah. And the car being vandalised. I mean, it didn't have to be a massive scene. It could have been like a quick, we'll look into it, and I've been fine. Maybe that's reading too much into it. There's a lot of focus on banning rock and roll but there's no focus on well who's who's vandalized my car and you know thrown a brick at me brick for a window yeah basically um so i think that's my biggest caca really went a little caca so it's yeah, more of a fair it's, it's more of a story glitch i think for me yeah i suppose mine's, mine's kind of similar i guess in that my caca would be the the whole behavior of the Rachel character with regards to letting her guard down as we said and then accusing Sam's character of basically making all this happen just to get her alone. And, yeah. and then and then if it being convinced, oh, he didn't because he's willing to connect the drain pipes up. It just seemed a little bit... <laughs> I, uh, yeah. It's a little bit, oh, come on, g- give your head a wobble. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those... Yeah. <laughs> Went a little caca. It, it was a. It was a very, as we already stated, it was a weird, weird thing to say. Like, really? What? Hang on. If you, and you need to see the scene when they're having this sort of tender moment, but um, where that came from, it's like, she'll blame anything not to get close to somebody really, I guess, but it was such a lame excuse. It really was. My oh boy this week would be Sam in that moment where he's, he seems to be doing a really, really good job with regards to the actual DJ aspect of his role in this episode. And then he clicks the button and you get this kind of, I suppose, um, innocence or naivety to Sam because he's worried that he's making a fool of himself. Uh, that I really liked. Just the flick of the switch from Scott Bakula there playing that role because yeah. basically it's, it's Scott Bakula playing Sam and Sam is playing this DJ. Oh boy. Yeah. And then when the flick of the switch happens, you almost take one layer back from that and go back into Sam and he's saying, you know, I thought that was a really nice. A real nice example of just how great Scott Bakula is. That would be my old boy this week. Oh boy! Yeah, and I mean we haven't seen many moments of Sam 
really sucking at anything, if that makes any sense. So this is the first time mm, he feels yeah. really self-conscious over what he's doing, um, even though it's not, it is him, but obviously to everybody else, it's Howling Chick Howell. So it's quite a nice mm-hmm. uh, little, like you said, like nice moment. So I get that. It's good acting as well. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Out of five, what are you thinking, Benny? <clears throat> uh, this when when you were talking about this at the start of season one, it was out of five. This was at least an eight. So yeah. <laughs> um, it was a high scorer, definitely. Um, again, like I did with the last one, I feel better after talking to you about it. Um, I was underwhelmed when I watched it, genuinely, um, and I don't know why I over, maybe I just overhyped it in my head, like I said at the start of the show. Um, but um, to be honest, I'm. You know, I'm going to go 3.5, to be fair. Um, part of that is because I was expecting more, I think, in my own head. Um, I, again, it's a good episode, but um, after watching it back, I think it, although I might revisit it occasionally, I don't think it's going to be one I revisit that as, as often as I did before, maybe, weirdly. Um, it's a good episode. I like the story. It's nice to be a bit more, it's a bit more fun than most, you know, because we're dealing with quite serious topics normally. So this is, you know, we're yeah. dealing with the freedom of speech and, and the, the rock and roll. It's a bit more lighthearted compared to others. Um, but yeah, 3.5, solid 3.5 mind. But, you know, um, yeah, I was a little bit let down by it, I think. <laughs> I think I've been overhyping it for two seasons. <laughs> this show, that's the problem. But yeah, it's a good episode, yeah. a good moment. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. It sits, it sits bang, middle of the road for me. It, this is a solid three. It doesn't do enough to get three and a half. It's not, it's not bad enough to sort of drop below average. I guess uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. If it was on telly again, like you know, flicking through the channels, I'd keep it on and watch it. But I probably wouldn't seek it out. So I'm thinking maybe two and a half, three territory. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll give it a three. Oh, that's fair enough. We're we're within reason again. I've probably been a bit too yeah. nice about it, to be fair, as per usual. But you know, I enjoyed <laughs> it. To a, I, I've I've enjoyed it in the past. I should say. This time around watching it, for some reason, I just wasn't as like wowed by it. In my head, I'm thinking this is going to be a four out of five, you know? So maybe that's why yeah. I overhyped it, as I've already said many times. So, Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. That's fair enough. And it's good that you can admit that. And it's good that we're looking at these things so, uh, I suppose, so sensibly and so unbiasedly. Yeah. Always, it'd be easy for me just to rant on about how wonderful this show is because it meant so much to me as a kid. And I know the same for you. So it's yeah, good that yeah. we're being able to look at this in, in such a way that we're being realistic, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Because, um, you know, I even feel bad about like when we were dissing, not dissing it, but we we're going, there's continuity errors here and stuff like that and this, that and the other. But I feel bad about it because I love the show so much. But yeah somebody's watching it for the first time they're going to be looking at it going why do you guys like this so much so we've got to be realistic with it you know it is of its time but it's a, the contents of the show the stories they tell generally are bloody amazing and there's so many as you've already said there's so many episodes in this season um that i'm not going to mention now but there are so many coming up that are really powerful and really good so i'm just yeah. hoping they live up to it after this one really yeah, yeah, hopefully so, hopefully so. And speaking of future episodes then, uh, Sam departs 1959 and arrives in the body of a religious man leading a ceremony. I believe he may be a rabbi, potentially, looking at the gear he's wearing. Yes. And the episode that we have next week is Thou Shalt Not. Uh, Benny, 
we always say, what can you remember about this? What are your thoughts? Do you think it's going to be good, bad, whatever? I can remember, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating now, I can remember absolutely nothing. I am with you, to be honest. When I saw it, I was actually like, and then it, it, it took me a second. I was like, oh yes, this is one where he's the rabbi. But in terms of story, I cannot remember a, a thing of what's going to happen in this. Um, I'm looking at the cast now. Obviously, I'll go through it next week, but like, there are a few members of the cast who look familiar to me straight away. So there might be a few uh, tropes next week, <laughs> to be honest with you. Excellent. But, um, Love it. Excellent. I'm, I'm purposely not looking at the synopsis of the show right now. But as we yeah. sit here talking about it, I he's a rabbi. That's all I know. And for once, yeah, I don't I actually know what's going to happen. Yeah, I normally I'm like, oh yeah, you should remember this, and like, yeah, I remember, I remember snippets of it. I don't remember anything apart from him leaping into the rabbi, and basically that clip they show at the end of this episode of him. So, wouldn't you? He's like, he turns to the rabbi and speaks in Hebrew, and like he sounds like, oh, I think he says over oive, doesn't he as well? I could be wrong. Does he say oive <laughs> instead of oh boy? I could I be wrong. I don't, I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to because again, I've got no context really of what happens. I'm averting my eyes from the synopsis on my yeah. right hand side here right now, so I don't look at it. In fact, I'm going to scroll it down while I look at you. There we go. So I can't see it. There we go. It's gone. <laughs> so yeah. So you don't remember anything either. Not, not nothing. Literally nothing. Wow. At all. Okay, this is going to be interesting next week. Yeah, I wonder how much we'll remember as we're watching it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. But before we get there, obviously we have to conclude our our talk today. So Benny, as always, John, let everybody know whereabouts they can find you and all the other content you're doing online at the moment. Um. To be honest, mate, I feel like I've said it way too much the last two weeks <laughs> on chain wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, simple way of doing it on Twitter at Benny Mac B E Triple M Y M A C K. Um, doing a lot of other things. Nothing the shows just come out. Um, I like people to check that out. Second episode comes out. Uh, well, I don't know by the time you listen to this, it will already be out. So they come out every Sunday. Um, and sort of seem to be getting some good uh, feedback at the moment as well, which is cool. And also. Come and come check out the wrestling stuff with me on Twitch uh, at um, uh, search Benny Mac Gaming. Sorry, B Triple M Y M E C K. But I have a link tree on Twitter, so it's easier to go there and just see what I'm up to or what I'm attempting to do at the moment. <laughs> so you know, yeah, yeah, great stuff, mate. Great stuff. I, I implore everyone to go and check all of that out at B E Triple N Y Mac on Twitter at Benny Mac on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SJP Words. And you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, there's a group there, SJP, all the shows and info. And from there, you get links to basically all the shows I'm involved in. There's obviously this one. But if time travel is your thing, I also cover Doctor Who with Dan Griffin uh, at the Doctor Who pod on Twitter there. That's just coming to the end of its first season. But season two will be with you again in a couple of weeks' time. And season one is also still available via Radio Techers and is now being re-released also via Visionaries Global Media. I think pretty much every Wednesday. But uh, cool. you have to look that up. Go search Visionaries Global Media for that. Uh, speaking of Visionaries Global Media, they also release my show looking back week by week on WCW, show by show, with Scottish Danny, our good buddy there. That comes out via Radio Techers and also Visionaries Global Media as well. So go and check that out if old school WCW is your thing. 
but if wrestling is your thing and you like to sort of vary it up a little bit more, then we have Chain Wrestling, which is live via Radio Techers on a Monday night, and the podcast version comes out later in the week. Now, you can obviously, Benny, last couple of weeks has been the guest host on that, so I implore you to go and check it out. And hopefully, also, as great as Benny has been and all my other guest hosts, such as my wife and so on, have been as well. I hope Mr. Mags is returning soon because we love you and we miss you, my friend. But yeah, as I was saying, links to all that stuff via my Twitter at SJP Words and the group on Facebook, SJP, all the shows and info. But most importantly, you can find this show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place. And it's always some kind of variant of at the waiting room pod underscore. Just search that a quantum leap podcast. Or as I said, look at Benny or I, and there's always links to our shows directly from us. Benny, I've had an absolute blast again, bud. It's been brilliant. I'm loving talking quantum leap with you. I'm looking forward to an episode that I know absolutely bugger all about. Well, we both, uh, so this is going to be interesting next week of how how it's going to score and everything, because I yeah. generally don't know what happens in this episode. <laughs> so for some, reason, that clip, for some reason, that clip at the end is the only thing, I, as soon as I saw, oh yeah, he's a rabbi, but I have no, I am literally like mind blank. So it's going to be interesting, man. The, the clip at the end, the title, nothing reminds me of anything. So Exactly, yeah. Same here. Going to be interesting, mate. Going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it, bud. I'll speak to you again next week. I am not going to leap out. I'm going to hobble off the chair because I have a bad back, but we'll see you next time. <laughs> and to everybody else, as always, thank you for listening.